Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Once again, good morning, our Savior's Church. How are you? Good. That was really good. Come on, let's we can do better now. How many of y'all are glad to be in God's house? Come on. Well, once again, welcome today. As I mentioned before, you are in for a special, special treat because we are ending our series, Relationships 101, and we are in the last part of it with Marriage 201. And so today you get to hear not only from myself, which you hear from me all the time, but you get to hear from my lovely bride, Lauren. And so we're going to be up here together. Yes. And so I just want to tell you this. Online, I put out there for anyone who had any questions about godly marriages and what that looked like. And one, one lady in our church made a very special comment. She said, I'm so excited to hear from Miss Lauren this morning, uh, tomorrow morning. And she said, you're good too, Pastor Gabe. But I want to hear from her. So I want to, come on, y'all, can y'all stand to your feet and honor my wife as she comes? Thanks. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. And uh, let's just get right to it. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, for all that you communicate to us in the form of marriage and I pray Lord for every marriage in this house I pray God for those that are strong and being more strengthened I pray for those God that are weak and need strength and I pray for those that are just at that place of disillusionment and have just believed the lies of the enemy I pray that they would hear truth today and that you would encourage you would build up you would give hope. And that's, Lord, give hope. Give hope where there's struggle, where there's strain, where there's anything but your peace. I pray you would give hope. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus through us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, you ready? As I'll ever be. <laughs> so we have this whole little environment set up because we want it to feel like you're at our home and you're coming to sit down to talk about marriage with us. And so we want to answer some questions that some of you have, um, some of you have sent to us, um, some questions that we've talked about that we thought, man, this is, would be a really good question to, to answer. And so I wanted you to know if you sent in a question and we don't get to it, it's, it's in a bowl. Okay, we are randomly selecting questions, so don't get offended. If you do get offended, you can email pastorpaul.neal at oscfamily.com. But I want to begin with a question that before we start randomly picking them, I want to begin with a question that was asked, and I think I'm going to ask it in both of our services because I think it's so important. What is the purpose of marriage? What is the purpose of marriage? And rather than me just simply giving you my answer on this one, I want to go right to the scriptures. And I want to read for you what the purpose of marriage is. And it's a mystery. 
This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Paul is laying out a blueprint, if you will, for marriage. But he says this, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washing, excuse me, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, as we are the members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Everybody say one. one. The two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect the husband. And we focus a lot on the roles of the husband and the wife, but I want to just briefly, before we dive into this, share with you the purpose of marriage is actually to be a representation of Jesus and the church. This is the closest union. This is the representation of what God is like with us. God created this institution of marriage between one man and one woman so that we could get a great picture of what God's love is like for us and the church's submission and honor of Jesus. And so you, when, why is marriage important? In the generation that treats marriage like it's absolutely nothing and the, the thing is let me just go and it's casual sex and it's, I don't need to get married or my career is more important. And it's all of those things I understand. But let me just say this, God has instituted marriage because it is a picture of devotion and commitment between him and us. Does that make sense? You ready? Can I say something really quick? Sure. I'm going to ask that a lot. Y'all going to hear that a lot. Um, we were praying about this service, and he said something, and it really stuck with me yesterday. And we understand that you guys represent a ton of different walks of life, a ton of different marriages, whether it's blended, single again, married again, married for the third time. We understand that. And what the enemy would love to do in this service is say, yeah, that's good, but, that's is good, have man. you focus on the but. That's good. This is good, but you don't know exactly what I'm going through. Can I just tell you the enemy has no new tricks? He's doing the same thing to all of us in one shape or form. So our prayer for you today is that you glean from this. Mm -hmm. This is not going to fix every single individual marriage, but you can glean from this and then you can get help from a small group leader, from um, one of the pastors on staff and, and try to get it more personal for you. So is that okay to set the groundwork like that? Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. It's it's very important that she said that, and um, again, we're going to get right to the questions, but we have, I want you guys to know who you're hearing from as well. So Lauren and I are celebrating our 15th anniversary, March 1st. 
And He's still cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I want you to know this, our marriage by no stretch of the imagination has been perfect, especially early on in our marriage. So we know a lot of the hardships and the struggles and the pain of marriage. But at the same time, I can say with all confidence, we have a great marriage. Yeah. We have a great and yeah. healthy marriage. And it's taken a lot of work yes. to get to having a great and healthy marriage. And so you're going to get to hear from some of our struggles, some of our, our wins and our victories. And so, and I know some of you may say, well, Pastor, I've been married 40 years. Okay, that doesn't mean you've been doing it right. That's right. Doesn't mean you've been doing it right. And so I feel like we are at a place where our marriage is really healthy and really strong. And so that's what you're hearing from. You ready? Yes. All right, we're gonna randomly select these, these questions. And I'm not, one or two of these questions, well, two or three, excuse me, of these questions, I just was curious to know what are you gonna say? Because I don't wanna be surprised on stage in front of everybody. And so, but by and large, these are just very organic answers. All right, please explain the power of praying together and seeking God together for your family's direction. That's a great question. I'll start it, but then I'd love to hear your, your vantage point on it as well. So the power of praying, explain the power of praying together and seeking God together. So I'll say this, there, if you are in the middle of an argument with your spouse, there's nothing that can help stop that argument like going to God together. Grabbing their hand every night and saying, hey, we're going to pray together. This is, the, this is our, our habit. This is our, our family's rhythm. There's something about I'm mad at her, she's mad at me, and we have to go present ourselves to God that kind of causes us to go, okay, I need to calm down a little bit, right? And so that in and of itself is powerful. But, man, I've mentioned this, this to you before. You provide a covering for your family whenever you're praying for them. I believe, and that's why I'd love to hear from you, I believe that brings security to my wife. Because when I'm praying, I'm not just asking, I'm not just doing what I think is right for the direction of our family, and I'm not just um, expecting that I have all that I need to lead our family. I'm inviting God's help into our family. So I'm modeling humility that I don't know it all and that I need help. And also just, I believe it brings security that God is with us and God's in our midst. What do you think? It definitely brings security for me. Um, we're going to talk probably, because there are a couple of questions about submission, but it's easier for me to be able to submit under my husband when I know he has been talking to Jesus and when I know he's been talking to other men. So if we are going through something, unity is huge for us. So we need to be able to unify and come together and talk to Jesus. And one thing I will say, not necessarily just when you're looking for direction, when I, when I first got saved, it was like, yes, you need to pray. And I'm just going to be raw with y'all. I was like, yeah, I need to pray. But there's a lot that I need to do. If I do, then I can see some fruit. As I've grown up with the Lord and as I've developed my relationship with him, I realize it's so swapped. I need to pray more than I do. And so I have grown in my prayer life. I have grown and I've watched God move because I've hit my knees. And when we're not in unity, y'all, we can brush this aside. But the best thing you can do if you're not in unity is pray. That's right. Because I know he hears from Jesus. 
So if he's not hearing my words, he's going to hear the Lord's words. And so prayer is a huge weapon that God gives us that I think we kind of brush aside sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. Come on. And I think a, a part of just building that intimacy with God for your family is, like she said, God will speak to you about your family. Mm -hmm. In the middle of an argument, God can speak and say, you know you're being a fool. You need to apologize to that woman. God, can you please talk to her too? I mean, He does. He tells me that all the time. <laughs> Believe me. I'm like, Lord, I mean, we both know she was wrong. So, <laughs> so but I, when you invite God, listen, God... You have to believe this. God wants your marriage to succeed. Right. God wants you to be more like him. And there's something so supernatural about the fact that we, this picture of us, us represents him in the church. And God wants me to lay my life down the way Jesus laid his life down for his bride, which means there are moments when I have to apologize when guess what? I don't believe I should have to apologize. But then it's on the other side that I realize. No, I needed to apologize. Why? Because I'm the leader. I have to initiate this conversation. I have to initiate us fixing this problem. Does that make sense? And so all of those things come from you inviting God into your marriage. This is not like church has this little box and then, you know, our family has this box. No, no, no. God needs to permeate in every area. Yeah. Next question? Yeah. All right. All right. Next question. Oh, this one's directly for you. How, as a wife, can I be a safe place for my husband? Oh, I think you need to answer that. How am I a safe place for you? Well, it says, how, as a wife, <laughs> are you a safe okay. place for you? How many of you know, sometimes you think something and they're like, that's not it. And I'm like, okay. Um, I think I tell him the truth. I am not a, yay, Gabe, you're awesome. That's you a know? fact. <laughs> all the time, all the time. There are moments when I think he's the stud, you know, and I tell him that too. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but I tell him the truth. If he is doing something that's, you know, I'm like, babe, you were wrong in that. I can tell him that. If he is... Um, you know, just thinking in some ways that aren't, you know, proper. If he needs encouragement and he's kind of down on himself, I'm able to tell him, no, that's not, that's not truth, you know. So I think I'm a safe place because he's able to be vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. I keep in confidence what he tells me outside of sin. Let me just clarify that. Outside of sin, I would expose that in a heartbeat. But, I mean, I would. But I keep in confidence what he tells me. I make sure that um, my reactions, I try, girls, you know this, I try very hard to not be reactionary when I'm responding, that I'm really listening to the Holy Spirit's voice mm -hmm. and not just jumping on his bandwagon or, you know, wallowing in sorrow with him. I try to be very, very mindful. Okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me in this moment. What do you want him to hear through me? And I think that creates a safe place 100%, for him. 100%, 100%. I think one of the best things that my wife does for me is what she just said in terms of being a safe place. I, I didn't want, I remember when we were dating, the moment I knew that she was the woman for me, and let me tell you when I knew she was the woman. Number one, I saw her and I was like, that's good. Oh. And, um, and I thought, man, she's beautiful. 
I love her. I mean, I didn't say that out loud, but I did. I thought, man, she's, she's a beautiful woman. And as we dated and all of those different things, I can remember a moment I had conflict in a relationship with an authority figure in my life. And I was really, I was wrong. And I sat down with her after this conflict and I was fully expecting her to just go, yeah, you're right, we need to go, we need to go do this. We need... And she said, if you leave, I can't follow you. And it was in that moment that I knew I can trust her because she's not just going to tell me what I want to hear, she's going to tell me the truth. And so that, that allows me, when I have conversations with her, I can get real wisdom. I'm not just getting, you're amazing, you're great, whatever you wanna do. Sometimes that, that's not what I need. There are moments where I, I, I do, I get heavy, I get burdened with things in life and she's there to encourage me. So she's a safe place because of the truth and I can be vulnerable with her. Men, I would encourage you with this. If God gave you a wife, be vulnerable with her. She has seen me cry. I don't do it all the time, but she has seen me cry. She has seen me hurt. She has seen when, when things have wounded me. And she's a safe place for me to do that. I can also process thoughts with her and trust that she's not going to think just because I have a crazy thought that we're moving to Zimbabwe tomorrow to be missionaries, right? She knows me well enough to know I, she can process things with me. Y'all with me? Are y'all really like three of y'all were with me? Y'all with me? Okay, thank okay. you. All right, next question. Ooh, I'll take this one. How should I approach sensitive topics with my spouse? Or at least I'll start this one. Okay. How should I approach sensitive topics with my spouse? Um, I, I've said it like this for years. When it comes to sensitive topics and communicating things in marriage, number one, you should have those tough conversations. There are times that we shy away because we know those things are very emotional for our spouse. And we're like, I'm not touching that. I'm not going to do it. Well, what happens, was, what happens is it's like an infection underneath the skin. It keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And since we don't want to actually pop the pimple, it gets worse. Right? And so you have to deal with sensitive topics within your marriage. You have to have tough conversations with your spouse that you know may hurt their feelings. Right? That's, that's called being a support. My wife has tough conversations with me that hurts my sensitive feelings, right? But I need them, and I've done the same for her. So how do you? With the right timing and the right tone. Yes. With the right timing and with the right tone. There are Sundays, and I think she can attest to this, there's Sundays when I, I, I leave church and I come home, and if I ask her how I did, I'm not wanting to hear the truth. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just warning her to go, babe, good job. Whew, okay, thank you. And then later on, come and tell me, hey, you missed that point. You missed that. You should have said that. You were a little bit harsh when you said that. Gosh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Right Right, right timing. If my wife is very emotional, that's not the time for me to come home and go, hey, where's dinner? That's called foolishness. <laughs> right? That's called stupidity. Right? Right timing, but also right tone. You can say, hear me, you can say anything, and you should be able to say anything with the right timing and the right tone. Tone being, hey, 
I want you to know I care about you. I'm not saying this tongue in cheek. I'm not saying this with, in, with an insincere nature just because I want to say it. I'm saying it because I believe it helps you. And you soften your tone to be able to have a tough conversation. We've had tough conversations about family, right? When she's talking to me about my family or I'm talking to her about hers, that's sensitive. We've had tough conversations about where we're going, right? How much time we're going to spend with certain people. Like that's all sensitive things about each other's attitudes. That's sensitive. You have to have the right timing and the right tone. But the third thing is you have to say it. Because if you don't, you are not doing any favors to your marriage. What do you think, babe? Agreed. Um, When you signed up to get married, you signed up to be vulnerable. Not always easy, but that's what you signed up for. And so I would say if you're having trouble with the tough conversations, that's where somebody else needs to help you. You can get in the room with another couple and say it and then go, no, that's not what he said. This is what he meant. You didn't hear it properly. Because, you know, we all have those past things that we see all of our life through. And so some of the tough conversations we have had have been about finances, have been about our health, have been about how much sex we have. None of that is... Oh, yeah, we're going there. None of that is... It's sensitive, depending upon where you are in life, you know? And to be very vulnerable with you guys, you guys, if you've been here for any amount of time, you've seen my weight kind of do this, you know? He wants me here for the long haul with my kids and with him. And so he'll go, babe, we've got to to start exercising again. I feel like I'm failing. No, you're not failing. We just got to get on it again, you know? Those are sensitive, but we have to have them. And we have to be vulnerable to know he's got my best interest at heart and I have his best interest at heart. I'm not out to get him. He's not out to get me. That's right. Does that make sense? Okay. That's good, babe. Great. Anyway. That's so good. I think I just answered this question, but how did you know Lauren was the one? Yeah. Number one, she was fine. Stop. Is fine. Um, and again, I knew I could trust her, so we're going we're gonna to move on to the next one. All right. What do you wish someone, oh, I'm going to let you answer this one. What do you wish someone would have told you before you got married? Oh. What do you wish someone would have told you before you got married? I wish somebody would have said, this is going to be hard. I think... We, when we're engaged and everything's all glitz and glam and, you know, you're planning the wedding and nobody goes, hey, congratulations, you just signed up for more work, you know, but it is. Would I have done anything different knowing how much work it was going to be? Absolutely not. Wouldn't have done a thing differently. But I think we do us ourselves a disservice. Marriage every day requires commitment. You don't just say I do and you're committed for the rest of your life. You wake up every day and have to commit again and say I do again in your heart. And so I think we do a disservice to some of these guys who are newly engaged. And I, we always kind of joke, we're like, yes, we'll do your premarital, but you're going to have to come back for postmarital because that's, right. that's when it matters, you know? Amen, right, Pastor Paul? Come on. It's true. And so I think, is it worth it? Absolutely. But it's hard. And so I think that's something I wish somebody would have told me. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. One thing someone did tell me before I got married, and it rained true, is they said, don't marry somebody you love, marry somebody you like. That's good. And this is what I mean by that. Marry somebody you enjoy being with, not just someone who gives you the butterflies, someone who gives you yeah. the emotions or the free songs, right? That goes away. Like one day you will wake up next to them and look at them and not feel the, the emotions that you felt when you first met them, right? The first time they roll over and their breath stinks, mine, not hers, <laughs> you will have that feeling of, Oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> it's in those moments you have to remember, I enjoy her. Yeah. I enjoy him. Like we have fun together. And I think that may be a question we get to. I'm not sure if, if we will be in there. But we have fun. Last night, we should have been asleep getting ready for, instead, we were up last night talking about our favorite Nick at Night shows. We have cheesy fun. Like, we're just cheesy people, so. I, but can I be honest with you? I enjoy our fun. I do too. I enjoy our fun because it's that kind of fun. What I've heard, I heard a, a pastor say this. He said, you want to know what keeps me from falling in sin and scandal and all of that stuff? He said, I go home every night to my wife and we sit down on the couch. I don't have to worry about all of the drama that comes from this, living this type of lifestyle. I enjoy our boring fun. Like we, we talk, last night we're talking about Mr. Ed and Murder, She Wrote. I mean, come on somebody, till like 11.30. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like Fresh we were talking Prince, about all kinds of stuff. Heat Cliff, Doug, come yeah. on somebody. And so anyway, I, I enjoy our fun together. Amazing. Like I enjoy her. We have a good time together. She's fun. All right, let's, let's keep going. Good question. Can one change after they've cheated on their spouse? Ooh, Can one, one change after they've cheated on their spouse? Very good question. I'll take the lead on it and then you can speak to it. So I'll say this. Is it possible for someone to change after being unfaithful? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And I've seen it happen over and in this this I say from pastoring people, not necessarily, not from our experience. We, by the grace of God, I've been faithful to her. She's been faithful to me. Okay, but I've seen many people, many people who've had unfaithful marriages who God has restored and their hearts have changed. And some of that infidelity has, in, has ended up being one of the best things that's ever happened to their marriage. Now, let me say it like this. Is it good? Of course not. Is it sin? You better believe it. You better believe it. But I also believe Romans 8.28 is true, that God works all things out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Is it ever God's will that infidelity happens? It is not God's will. Never is it God's will. But if you trust him through it, God can bring good out of it and change you and change them. So can it happen? Absolutely. But let me put a very big stipulation on this. That requires repentance. Not I'm sorry. Not I got busted and I just, I'm going to tell you just enough to get you off my back. It requires a heart that says, here's everything. Right. Here's everything I did. Yep. Check my phone. Check whatever it is you want to check. I, I don't care what you want to know. Here it is. That's a repentant heart that says, I wronged you. And that also requires the rebuilding of trust. Absolutely. 
right? One of the things that, again, we've walked with people through is when that trust is broken, it's a major deal. And you can't just ask for forgiveness and expect, hey, I asked them to forgive me, so we're moving on like nothing happened. That's not how it works because you violated that person's trust. And trust, hear me when I say this, trust is lost in buckets and is gained back in drops. That's good. Say that again. Trust is lost in buckets and gained back in drops. So that means little actions. Yeah. Good, y'all. Little things that you do build your cup back up with trust, right? Little things. One mistake spills the whole thing over. And that's what you have to think about whenever you're, you're tempted, right? I'm tempted to do this. Are you willing to lose everything that you've gained for the last 10 to 20 to 30 years for one moment, right? And so, but you can get that trust back, but it takes a lot of hard work. Her going, I want to see your phone even two years later. And you know it's frustrating and you know you just want to say, you know I haven't done anything. Instead, you go, baby, whatever you want to see, mm -hmm. whatever you want, that's gaining trust back. Anything you want to add to that, baby? That was good. No, that's good. Okay. Let's go on. How often should you have sex in marriage? <laughs> he loves this question. <laughs> well, you want me to take it, I'm assuming? You, you, can start, <laughs> you can start and then I'll... You gave me that look, so... Um. My daughter's here, close your ears. <laughs> She's all right. So let me just start off by saying this. We can go textbook. Okay, textbook, clinically, it says pretty much every 72 hours. That's what men need, okay? We aren't textbook people, though. So I'll say this. If you want to know how much sex you should have, you need to ask your spouse. You need to communicate. Mm -hmm. Some of us have higher sex drive. Some of us have lower sex drive. Some of us are in our prime. Some of us are getting into our later 40s, you know what I mean? Sex looks different. It ebbs and it flows. Intimacy is what you need. That's right. Intimacy will last the long haul. Sex will look different. I will say this, aside from medical issues, medication, um, trauma, anything like that, we usually say at least once a week. Depending upon your sex drive, it can go up or it can go down, but usually once a week. But I think you need to start with communication yeah. with your spouse and get on the same page. I will say this. If you are suffering from some kind of medical issue where, or you're on a medication where your sex drive is plummeted, or, and it happens with both men and women, um, if I had a stomach ache for two weeks, you better believe I'm going to the doctor to talk about it. If I haven't had sex for two months, you better believe I'm going to the doctor to talk about it. We need to start having conversations, not just with our, each other, but with the, the medical community that we have available to us. And so I would encourage you in that way. If your sex drive is low, there may be some, you might need vitamin B, you know what I mean? And then like, woo, have the gates open, you know? That might be all it is. And so have the conversations with the people around you yeah. 
And, and let's not make it such a faux pas to talk about sex. It is a part of our marriages. It's a part of our life. We are created to have sex and enjoy it. And if you're not enjoying it, there could be a medical issue. It could be some past trauma. That's what people around you are for. So I would say communication is the biggest, biggest thing for how often you should have sex in marriage. 100%. Did that make sense? Yeah, great answer. Great answer. What I would add to that before we close would be this. I would say she's absolutely right in the communication. Men, that takes vulnerability. Yeah. So that takes you being able to communicate to your wife, hey, this is what I need. Right? I I need this. Now, here, I said need. So if you're like, I need to have sex three times a day, okay, you need therapy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, you need help. Like, you need some prayer. Like, dear God, man. So, (laughs) but some men have greater sex drives than others. That's okay. But that's for you to communicate with your spouse. And let me say this for either men, for men and for women. This is such an important part of your marriage that is not just about you. That's right. There are times when you should have sex to meet the need of your spouse. You may not be feeling it. You may be tired. You may be emotional. But it's something, listen, the Bible actually talks about, the Bible talks about this? Yes. The Bible tells us not to withhold that from one another. Not unless you're in a time of fasting and prayer, not to withhold that. Then that doesn't mean you abuse that person. That doesn't mean you take no consideration for them. It means that you should not withhold that from one another because it is the thing that brings you together. For, I know for women, from what I've gathered and what we've talked about, that's an emotional intimacy. For men, that's a physical intimacy that you have to have. And if you can, if there's things, and I've, I've said this in the past, men, let me just challenge you. As you get older, things change. There's things to help with the change. And I remember saying this pretty bluntly, take the blue pill. Oh, my gosh. If you need to, if you need to. Right? And if you need help, we sat with a couple not too long ago, a younger couple, and they were, I mean, they're in their 20s and just really struggling with the intimacy of their, in their marriage, right? Just having a very, very hard time with the fact that they just, neither one of them really wanted to. Well, we got to the bottom of it. They felt guilty because they were having premarital sex and they were believers, and they carried that guilt into their marriage. And now it's, it lost, it's lost its luster, if you will. The, the zing was gone. And we were able to help speak to that area, bring repentance to that area, and help let God restore that area. Because one thing about marriage, and this is not a question that we, we, we were able to pull, but some of you may ask the question, did I marry the wrong person? Can I just tell you the truth? The moment you said, I do, they became the will of God for your life. They became the will of God. I don't know if I was supposed to marry them. I don't know if we're compatible. The moment you said, I do, before God, they became the will of God for your life. And if there's God's will, it's God's bill. He will help you with the struggles you have. He will help you with the physical intimacy problems you have. He will help you with the emotional intimacy problems that you have. He will help you with communication. Why? Because it's his will that that marriage prospers. It's good. It's his will. So if you're here, I just want you to grab the hand of your spouse if you're here and you're married. 
And if you're not married yet, I want you to just in faith grab the hand of Jesus. And I want to pray. If you believe in God for a spouse, I want to pray over you. And we're going we're gonna to release you. Father, I pray for every marriage, for everyone, God, in this building. You see the struggles. You see the pain. You see the disappointments. And I'm asking you, Father, to meet them right where they're at. I pray, God, that this would bring healing, that they would find themselves bringing their marriage to you together. I pray that they would find themselves having the tough conversations with one another so that healing can take place. They would find themselves serving one another in the form of, of intimacy, God, whether sexual or emotional. God, I pray you bring healing and you would let them represent you and the church. And I pray, God, for all of our singles here who are believing you for the right spouse, I pray you send them, if that's the desire of their heart, that you would send them your very best for their lives. And in the meantime, they would become someone else's very best. This is a picture of you and the church. Help us to do it well. In Jesus' name, amen.